0: Just suppose God searched through heaven and couldn't find one willing to be a supreme sacrifice that was needed that would buy. Calvary. Had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever my soul would I'm so glad he was willing to drink his bitter cup. Although he prayed, Father, let it pass from me. And I'm glad he didn't call heaven's angels. From these hands pulled the nails that torment me. Had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever my soul would. not been for a place called Mount Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever my soul would be lost.
1: certainly glad and thankful for that man the lord jesus christ who hung on calvary and paid for our sin amen well i'm going to give it a shot new glasses these are those digital trifolds or whatever they call them i don't know yeah i look like a drunken sailor up here it's because these things okay all right don't get too alarmed all right i may have to yeah they're progressives that's right i may have to rip them off here at some point because i might struggle trying to get down to notes, you know. And anyway, we'll see what happens today. I figure, I guess there's no time like the present to try to get used to them, right? All right, Psalm chapter 81 today. Psalm chapter 81. If I fall into the laps of you young men, just catch me graciously. I Step off the stage thinking there's more room than there is. All right. All right. Psalm chapter 81, I don't know, I really should have brought those pirate jokes out here, I I really should have, I I might share a few of the pirate jokes tonight, I. yeah, tonight, tonight I got to share a couple of them, just real fast, but anyway, they're just really just too good, uh, they, now the singles didn't like them, but I, I like them a lot, okay, so anyway, maybe I'll do that tonight, just a few, just a couple of them. Okay, so Psalm chapter 81. They're really not jokes. They're just kind of like one-liners or something, but they're pretty good. <laughs> All right, Psalm chapter 81. Psalm chapter 81. Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. But well, this was a statute for Israel, and the law of the God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt where I heard a language that I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. Thou calledst in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou would hearken unto me, there shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own hearts less, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat, and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. What a passage, what a psalm. This is a psalm of Asaph. David did not write this particular psalm. Asaph himself was one of David's three chief musicians, and his sons and their descendants formed somewhat of a musical guild. Some of his descendants also were among the captives that would ultimately be rescued from Babylon and make their way back. God in His goodness ordained seven annual feasts for His people. Four of them took place at the beginning of the religious year while the others took the three others took place during the beginning of the civil year. God wanted to gather his people. He wanted his people to gather in holiness and in happiness, and he wanted to gather them around himself. He took pleasure in being with his people, and so he ordained these feasts. The psalmist begins by kind of underlining. The Feasts of the Lord Focusing some attention But the sad truth is this That much of Israel's history As a nation Found them neglecting This great privilege They did not submit To these feasts They did not find themselves In the presence of God In many cases I mean, just to think, to have been able to privilege, the opportunity to join God, the very creator of the universe, to literally be able to fellowship with Him, would seem to me to be uh, almost too good to be true. And yet, often, we find that for Israel, it ended as missed opportunity. And you know, that's exactly what the theme of this particular thong is. (laughs) of this psalm is. These glasses are affecting my speech patterns. (laughs) Missed opportunity. That's the theme of the song. Psalm. It is funny up here because it is like I'm preaching on a wave. Like I'm Jesus and I'm I'm out from the... You know, I got to wonder how he felt standing on that boat. He obviously... Must have felt much more secure than I do right now, but <laughs> that is the theme of the psalm, missed opportunity. And the psalmist again begins that way, kind of touching right on that issue of these feast days. But even though missed opportunity may have characterized Israel's existence, the psalmist would not be denied. It's interesting as he begins, he opens up by exhorting all to sing aloud unto God and to make a joyful noise. You notice that? He basically says, okay, strike up the band. I mean, this is a wonderful time. I mean, you know, honor and praise God, the God of our strength, he says. You know, there's no quicker way to become discouraged, disappointed, and even bitter faster than to dwell on the rebellion of others. All you have to do is watch other people failing constantly or watch other people rejecting Christ. Watch other people and focus your attention on them and direct yourself toward them. And Pretty soon you find yourself discouraged. You find yourself disappointed. You find yourself in a position where you also feel that way. The psalmist would not permit that to happen to him, though. He not only overflowed with song, but he was obedient to the very Scriptures. And it is here, at that place, that he suddenly is translated back, at least back in thought, to a place, the book of Exodus, basically. When the children of Israel exited Egypt, God began to speak to the people there, but unfortunately the people did not understand him. And what follows in this particular psalm is nothing more than the record that, of what God shares with this psalmist. And the psalm becomes a psalm of missed opportunity. And so I want to take just a few minutes, and I want to kind of pick up starting in verse 5 or 6 there and kind of move through, because I do believe today that each and every one of us, if not careful, are prone to missed opportunities. And we don't want to fall into that trap. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, bless us today, and... We thank you for the psalmist. We thank you, Father, for the fact that you preserved this psalm over all of these years so that at this very point and stage in our Christian lives, or possibly even in our lost lives, we have now come to where we are going to read it and now hear it and understand it in a way that we can apply it to our lives. Bless us now, Lord, today, and may you be glorified in all that's said and done and pray you'd help me with these glasses. I pray, Lord, you'd help me with my thoughts. And that, Lord, you'd just fill me with your spirit. Oh, God, may I not operate in this flesh. And, Lord, just be with your people. May they hear with spiritual ears. And may we truly bring glory and honor to you. And if there be one, even one that's lost without you, that doesn't know for sure heaven's their home, that hasn't settled their eternal salvation, may it be settled. And, Lord, for the believer, may we not miss out on opportunities. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So missed opportunities in this particular psalm. First of all, in the psalm, we note their disobedience. Talking about the children of Israel, remember, God is going to share now this, this with the psalm some history. He takes him back to Exodus. He takes him back to when Israel departed out of Egypt, and now he's going to begin to share some things. He notes their deliverance in verses 5 through 7. Notice again in Psalm 81, the Bible says this, he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt. Notice in verse 6, I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. We see here that there, there's a deliverance from slavery. Right off the bat, and where they were once enslaved by this, this nation and by this tyrant, now all of a sudden, the Bible tells us that God supernaturally delivered them from slavery. But as they made their way out of the city, as they continued to go forward in their journey. They come to a a place called the the Red Sea. Unfortunately uh, for them, they find an army behind them, and now it appears that they will be slaughtered. But no, once again, not only does God deliver them from slavery, but we see that God delivers them from slaughter. He says in verse 7, Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. Moses raises up the rod and the waters part and there they walk through on dry ground. He goes on to say in verse 7, I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah. We know that throughout their journeys, we see that not only did God deliver them, obviously, out of Egypt and from that slavery, but although that slaughter as well, but now we see that He delivers them from starvation. I mean, there could have easily been a place where millions of them could have been found laying on the side of the road. There's no way that that many people can go out into a wilderness and continue to exist without a supernatural sustenance and then say God provided for them. We know that the manna came and we know that the water was provided. God did that in their life and God does that in your life and mine. Their deliverance. Not only that, but God reveals to the psalmist their deal. Here's the deal. Look at verse 8. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. He goes on to say, in verse 9, There shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. He says, listen, I want you to understand He's saying as you depart out of Egypt, as you make your journey through the wilderness, I want you to realize, people of God, that I will testify unto thee if thou would hearken unto me, if you'll simply hear me and you'll obey me, if you'll realize there'll be no other strange gods. And by the way, there are no other strange gods in your life or in mine if we will hear God and obey God. And he goes on to say then, ultimately, he says, I want you to realize then, therefore, that if you will do those things, you will experience Access to God. You will know me firsthand. Well, I'll tell you what, there's something about knowing God. There's something about having access to God. And the people of Israel would have had access to God, he says, they were given every opportunity to access me, to know me, and to walk with me, and to fellowship with me. But not only that, they would experience access to God, but they would enjoy abundance from God. He says simply to them, he says, I want you to understand in verse 10, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. He says, there'll be nothing you'll ask for that you won't be able to get. There'll be nothing that I'll keep from you if it's good for you. I want you to know you'll have access to me, but you'll also have abundance from me. I mean, it's amazing to me how many times we somehow fall into the trance or the trap of the world that says if you follow God, you'll have to be a pauper. If you follow God, you'll have to miss out on all the good things. If you follow God, you're going to be miserable. That's ridiculous. God says, no, let me tell you something. If you'll just hear me, if you'll just obey me, I want you to know you'll experience access to me. You'll have my ear and you'll have my abundance. I don't know about you, but I'd like to have God providing for me rather than any other person in the world. Last time I checked, he does own the cattle on a thousand hills. He does own all the wealth in every mine. He does have access to unlimited resources and unlimited power. We see their deliverance. We noted their deal, if only. But notice their defiance in verse 11. But my people would not hearken to my voice. And Israel would none of me. Notice again their defiance. We see first their rebellion against God. Their rebellion. But my people would not hearken to my voice. That sounds a little bit to me like rebellion, doesn't it? It's amazing. He had supernaturally delivered them out of the hand of uh, the Egyptians. They had found themselves now as free men and free women. Sure, there were There was going to be, certainly there were going to be some some obstacles that they would have to face, some some, uh, landmines they'd have to navigate around in the wilderness. I understand all that. It wasn't just going to be a bed of roses, but may I say, they had the God of the universe guiding them and directing them. He had brought them to a place where they received the oracles of God. He had given them the opportunity to ultimately wander through the wilderness safely for 40 years. Although a generation was gone, they still were able to go in and occupy a land that God had promised. In spite of everything, in spite of all of God's intentions, in spite of all of God's interest, in spite of all of God's investment. The Bible says in verse 11, but my people would not hearken to my voice. And ultimately says, and Israel would none of me. We see, yes, their rebellion, but note their rejection of God. Again, but my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel, would none of me. As a boy on the schoolyard, we'd often gather to play a game of baseball or kickball or usually football, something like that at recess, maybe at lunchtime. In those days, you got to leave school and go play outside. Now, of course, they put fences up. You know, they never really, I always thought they put the fences up to keep us in. But they didn't. They put the fences up to make us feel safe. That's why they put fences up. For the sake of the children. Not for their safety, but for their security. Now today, you might need a fence with barbed wire to keep children safe. But in those days, we didn't worry about that. But boy, I tell you what, you come up against the fence, you feel safe. I can't get out, nobody can get in, I feel good. By the way, boundaries are always put in place to make us feel safe. Just thought I'd throw that in. No boundaries, no security. By the way, your children need them. By the way, so do you. So do adults. We need those boundaries. But notice the that here we are in the playground, and uh, so we're going to play this game, and so we, we have to have this process of picking people, and of course, everybody gathers around, and before it's over with, normally we'd line up, and then you'd pick two captains, and those captains then, of course, would begin to pick people. The teams were made up. Everybody's on a side. But unfortunately, it always seemed that there was that boy that nobody picked. And then the comments would come. He's standing all by himself there. Well, the teams are already made up. There's no more room. No one wants you on their team anyway. You're no good. You know how it was. You know what the real reality was? They wanted none of him. They wanted none of him. I still remember watching as the little boy fought back the tears of disappointment and rejection. I mean, he hadn't said anything. He hadn't done anything that would warrant that kind of response. But there he stood all alone, feeling rejected, feeling hurt. They didn't need him. So they wanted nothing to do with him. Do you hear me? They didn't need him. So they wanted nothing to do with him. we read that Israel didn't just choose to disobey God. The Bible says that they would none of me. That's a powerful statement. I mean, they literally wanted nothing to do with God. I mean, after all that God had done for them, again, although he had delivered them from Egypt, although he had delivered them from that awful scourge of slavery, although he had supernaturally, projected, uh, supernaturally protected them and cared for them through the wilderness, after he had graciously led them and placed them in the land of plenty, all of those things, after everything we still read, they would none of him. They didn't think they needed him. And as a result, they wanted nothing to do with him. Unlike the Apostle Paul, who said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, not that we are sufficient to think anything as of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. For the Apostle Paul had it figured out. Not like David, the psalmist, who said, Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. He later says, he says before that in verse 1, Bow down, Thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Well, I'll tell you what the psalmist knew. What a sad commentary. The total rejection of God. And yet that rejection of God would lead to a very serious downfall. Verse 12, note the downfall. He goes on to say, So I gave them up to their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. First of all, we see that their downfall was brought about by their unbridled desire. God would ultimately turn them over to themselves. You know, there are times when a man or a woman rejects God to such a degree that ultimately God finally says, You know what? Fine. Go ahead, follow your own corrupt thoughts Follow your own corrupt heart Follow your own corrupt direction You go your own way, that's fine Go your own way and deal with it And that's what he did to Israel That's a sad place to be To the place where we don't just neglect God a little bit We don't just say, well, you know, I'm just kind of busy today No, we just say, you know what, I don't need God I want none of Him I want to do things my way. I want to walk my way. I want to live my way. I want to think my way. I'm tired of being under the constraints of the word of God. I'm sick and tired of trying to obey the Lord. It's just too difficult. It's too hard. It's impossible. So why try? I want none of him. And you know, we'd like to kind of convince ourselves that all we're doing really is just cutting him out of a little portion of our life and kind of you know segregating him on this end of of that of that life and we we like to dwell here for a while and then we step back into that life and that's not really true sometimes i think god sees things a little different than we do and he takes it a little bit more serious than we do and he realizes that maybe our rebellion our disobedience isn't just a misstep maybe we didn't just kind of mess up a little bit maybe we didn't just get sidetracked for a short time no but maybe we just got to the point where we just said you know what i can do this on my own i really don't need him and when we get to that point what we really said was i have none of thee i want none of thee don't need it that's sad that's a scary place it leads to a downfall And the downfall is unbridled desire. Before it's over with, God's allowing you to follow that corrupt heart. He's allowing you to go your own way. He's permitting you to do that. We know that in chapter 12 of Hebrews, he promises to spank us. He promises to correct us. But wait a second, pretty soon, even the most vile child, as much as we love them and as much as we desire them to come back and to experience the love of mom and dad and to be rejoined to the family and to allow them to experience the pleasure of being part of and, and enjoying the blessings of a family, they choose not to so long we finally say, fine. Fine, go out into the world. Fine, go out there and deal with it. Fine, go out there and have the scars and the hurt until you finally wake up. I can't do it anymore. No matter how hard I try, you want none of me. So then go have it your way. And we just pray and beg the Lord that having it their way will find them in a place like the prodigal. They finally come crawling back humbled, broken, willing to beg to be simply a servant in their father's house. Their unbridled desire, that was their downfall, their unwise direction. He tells them there in verse 12, I gave them up unto their own hearts lusts and they walked in their own counsels. We know where that leads according to the word of God. Proverbs 16:25 says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We know in Proverbs 12:15 the Bible says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto wise counsel, excuse me, unto counsel is wise. Listen, if you think that you're calling the shots in your life, nobody tells me what to do, especially God. I know what the Word of God says, but I just don't. I'm not for that right now. I want to sow some wild oats. I want to live my life. I want to go my own direction. It's ridiculous. I'm not having people tell me how to live. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. And I say you are so bound by unbridled desire and unwise direction, my friend, you're going to end up in a heap of trouble. Just like Israel did. So, we know their deliverance, their deal, their defiance, their downfall. But I want you to know what God's desire was. Notice God's desire in verse 13. In Verse 13, we begin reading, it says, Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. <laughs> wow. Notice that exclamation, excla- exclamation point right there at the end of that verse. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my ways. It seems to accentuate God's remorse and frustration with His people, doesn't it? I mean, if only they'd have listened to me. If only they'd have lived according to my ways. Almost reminds us of a parent whose heart's been broken by a child, doesn't it? Brokenness. I believe God's heart breaks when His people, His children choose to rebel and ultimately reject Him. And again, I mean, we can debate on what... Big rejection is or big rebellion is, but may I say that any rebellion is rebellion enough. Any disobedience is still disobedience. If only. He goes on now, though, to express his desire. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. He says, I would have subdued their enemies. I would have fought on their behalf. I would have protected them against the onslaught of the enemy. They wouldn't have had to endure the loss and the heartache and the, the casualties of war. And may I say that as believers, we're in a warfare today. And you're going to get ate up, and so am I, if we don't have God's protection on our life. If we don't have God standing as a shield before us, fiery darts of Satan will certainly end us and ruin us and wreck us. He would have subdued their enemies. We read throughout the Old Testament how Israel... Ended in defeat so many times And it was often and most usually Because of rebellion and disobedience When they were walking according to his word When they were walking according to his ways They were victorious we see He said if only They would have heard me If only they'd obeyed me If only they'd have walked in my ways I would have subdued their enemies He goes on in verse 15 To say The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto Him, but their time should have endured forever. He would have sustained their dominance. I mean, He would have continued to allow them to be the nation that ruled the world. Do you realize that God intends that one day Israel is the central point of all the the world? That Jesus Christ will literally rule and reign on the throne of David. That Israel will be exalted above all nations. And he says, "If only, if only, oh, oh, I should have soon subdued their enemies, yes, but I would have also ensured they endured forever. If my people had hearkened unto me, if Israel had walked in my ways, they would still be the dominant nation in all the world." He goes on to verse 16 to say, "He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat and with honey." Out of the rock should have I satisfied thee. He would have subdued their enemies, He'd have sustained their dominance, he'd have supplied their every need. That's something. Do you got any needs in your life? There's a difference, I believe, deeds and uh, needs and wants, obviously. There's a lot of things I want. I wouldn't call them needs, necessarily. I mean, just because I want it doesn't mean it's absolutely necessary in my life. You know, I mean, I guess that's where we're going. I mean, the truth is, it's probably I could live on a lot less food than I do. I don't need as much food probably as I intake. I I don't need the kind of food that I eat. I probably don't need as as nice a place as I stay, or as good a car as I have. If I don't need that. Excuse me, want that. No, need that. But boy, I like it. I want it. And if it's up to me, man, I'd have a lot more than that. In my flesh, man, I want millions of dollars. In my flesh, I want big houses. In my flesh, I want a a beach house. I want my own jet. I can fly away and get away for a couple of days like that. Man, I'd put a bed in the jet and I'd sleep on the trip. You're about sitting in those little teeny seats. Watching a little teeny screen. At least I got those. Man, I mean, I would have me a big screen. I'd have me a bed and I'd be kicking back. I'd have me some stewardesses or stewards on the boat, on the, on the, the plane bringing me, sh- you know, steak and shake burgers. And I mean, just, I mean, it would be... It would be heaven. I mean, those are things that I would want to some degree. Wait a second. You fly to the Philippines one time in coach. Tell me you don't dream of that. But boy, there's a difference between my wants and my needs. But God said, I'll sustain, I'll supply. If only they would have. Hearkened unto me. If only they had walked in my ways. Boy, did God have great hopes for his people. And boy, did God want to do great things on behalf of his people. But they would none of him. And that's sad. There's many times in our lives when we Create our own problems. If only we had hearkened, if only we had followed his ways, we could have avoided many of the pitfalls of life. God wants for all of us to have our enemies subdued and, our, and, and to be sustained. To not be knocked down, so to speak, to the dust of the ground. To be supplied. Every knee met. Every need met. God wants that for you and I. I know He permits things in our life to temper us, to purify us. I know all of that. But so many times when things happen to us, it isn't God's fault, it's ours. Missed opportunity. Think about what the people of God had at their disposal. Think about what God wanted to do versus what he ended up doing. Think of how instead of them surrendering and submitting themselves wholeheartedly to the God who delivered them out of slavery, who placed them on the road to success, who put them in a land of supply, think about what they accepted instead. Think about the opportunities that they allowed to flee. They missed opportunities because they would not hearken to God because they would not walk in his ways. Go ahead. Go ahead and listen to whomever you choose. Go ahead. Counsel with anybody you choose. You have that right. No one's going to make you do anything. One, I mean, some of you young people say, oh, my parents will. Well, good for them. But there'll come a point in your life where you will listen and, and there's really the truth is right now, probably your parents don't even have a clue what you're watching on the internet what you're seeing on your televisions, what you're doing in your own personal lives—the truth is, you're making, you're listening to whomever you choose right now. And you know what? Go ahead, do that. But you go ahead, and you do that, and you neglect the, the the to hear God, and you neglect the counsels of God, and you follow and listen to other people instead. You go ahead and walk your own way. Go ahead and go your own direction. Follow your own pathway. You go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. And there's pleasure in sin for a season. Yep, there is. And it'll seem like you're getting away with everything. Let me tell you something. You just go ahead and do it. Here's the one thing I'll promise you. You'll look back one day, whether it's in this life or at the judgment seat of Christ, and you will have to admit missed opportunities. That's what you're gonna to have to admit. You're gonna to have to you'll come to the place where you'll finally say, Boy, I messed up. Missed opportunity. If only I would have hearkened, if only I'd have walked in his ways. I wouldn't have missed out on all these things. I, what I thought was so wonderful, what I thought was so satisfying, what I thought was so appealing, what I thought was so good wasn't. I missed opportunities. That's exactly what Israel did. And that's what this psalm is teaching us missed opportunities. Well, it's just little sin in my life. I'm just disobeying in certain areas of my life. You will regret that. You will look back and realize there were missed opportunities. Opportunities to fellowship with God. That we never took Opportunities to follow God in obedience That we never did Opportunities to partner with Him And to serve Him side by side That we just chose to neglect Opportunities to enjoy His power To enjoy His provision To enjoy His protection Opportunities missed Because we choose To neglect God to not listen to him and not walk in his ways and to say simply this, I want none of him. Missed opportunities. I pray that you'll not miss opportunities with God. And I don't want to miss them either. I've missed some opportunities in my day. I've gone my own direction. I've done my own thing. I've chosen to travel a path without God's Approval or his word Maybe you've done the same at some point You like me could say oh yeah I gotta admit there were some missed opportunities Do you know for sure if you died you'd go to heaven Do you know that he died on a cross 2,000 years ago to pay for your sin Do you realize that he didn't do that for him He did it for you If you neglect that sacrifice, if you choose to reject the Savior, Jesus Christ, if you choose to not listen to him and he says, Call unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you choose to, to reject him and say, I want none of him, may I say, I promise you one day as you lift your eyes in hell, you will regret missed opportunities. Settle it today. Settle it today. Father, we come to you.